Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, 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 what's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Agents of Revival podcast. I'm so excited that you are here with me under the sound of my voice because we are going to talk about a message today. Excuse me, that God shared with me in my own private prayer time. And he gave me such revelation in this message, y'all, that I was like, oh, man, I got to come on here and teach this, God. This is so stinking good. And it's so amazing the way God works. Because how many of you, whether you are newly walking with God or you've been walking with God for a while, you've had some uh, relationships with him in the church um, or even at home, your, your church home, what home church, excuse me, whatever it is that you've been, you feel like you've been walking with God for a while, or you've been under his instruction, learning from him for at least a, a little bit of time. And what I've noticed is God will sing you a word through anything or anyone. And it will speak to your heart so much so deeply that you're like, that can only be from God. I know it. You, you, it's, it's something in us that immediately resonates or, or you know, it, an alarm goes off in a sense. It's just like a person who, you know what it is? It's like a child. I saw this demonstration done one time by a pastor and he had, um, the daughter clothes. Well, the daughter was blindfolded. It's like, uh, she might've been like maybe 10 or 11 and the daughter's eyes were blindfolded and they went down a list of different women, all shapes, sizes, skin color, whatever went down a list of different women. And they all said to her a word of encouragement and each woman she went by she had to identify, is this your mother? Is this your parent speaking to you or not? And so, of course, eventually she gets to a parent because she goes in and listens. She's like, no, 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 no. That's mommy. And I believe it's the same thing with our God where we can hear so many different things, even that may sound good. But there is something in you that when a word is released, you say, Mm-mm, oh, no, 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 no. That's father. That's that's daddy right there. Daddy talking to me. Mm-hmm, God talking to me. That's that's a word for me. And so that's how I felt when I was studying for the message for today. I just felt like, okay, God, this, yeah, daddy's speaking to me right now. This is so good. And of course it was through his text. Um, and I was doing, um, you know, praying and also reading different Bible devotionals and journals, uh, that I have. And, and I read several of them in the morning. And so I was just spending time reading that while also, uh, taking a side to read the scriptures and, um, just different scriptures I felt in my heart that God wanted me 
to read. And it was just so amazing how all of the devotional series and journals that I was reading and then the scripture I was reading, literally every single one of them lined up. And I'm going to share some of them with you today. So you'll hear as well, just like prayerfully to click for you like a different meal like wow look at how God worked that out and all of these different journals and things that I'm reading were written at different times because I have some journals that I got as a child or as a teenager rather and I, I found myself um picking it back up and rereading it because when the person um one of them in particular was bought uh, by my grandmother and my maternal grandmother and when she bought it for me she bought it uh and actually i'm looking at the date right now look at god uh she bought it december well i don't know when she bought it but she dated it rather as a christmas gift uh in 2002 and so it's so amazing how years later in 2002 I was a sophomore in high school and so it's amazing how years later here I am reading this this journal that she bought me a, a bible devotional journal that she bought me when I was a little woman in a sense becoming a woman it's a woman's journal but she bought it for me then speaking into what I was going to become and then here I am years later back rereading it again and i actually stumbled upon it just by cleaning the house <laughs> and i'm laughing because some of you have had experiences like that where you forgot you have something and then you start cleaning up and you do a deep clean i'm talking about like a spring clean you do a deep spring cleaning and then you like what the where does this come from? I, did, I haven't seen this in years. Or I forgot I had this or that. And so that's what happened to me. Like I totally forgot about the book. Until the right time came. Where God knew I was going to need that book. And it's not that. Oh I wasn't reading anything else. It's just that there's things particularly. There's short stories and scriptures. Particularly written in that book. By the author. That I needed to read. Not to mention. Because it's a journal. I needed to look at some things that I wrote before. Just to see. Have I matured since that thinking then? I should have. <laughs> and thank God I did. But like. Where was my mindset even then? And thank God of where he's brought me now. Because some of the journal writings I wrote, I was in a bad, dark place. And I know most people say, girl, me too. I mean, a lot of us went through dark times in high school. But, you know, um, because of my home environment, I went through a very, very dark time. And so um, during that, that time, my thinking was very, very different than where it is today. And so I just thank God where I can look back and say, wow, in that season, I didn't think I would ever get through. I had no high expectations to ever get through that bad season, that tough season. It just seemed like it was going to defeat me and be the end of me. But God had the final say. And so he showed me how he's been faithful Throughout the years, every time I thought I can't make it no more, God, he showed me, wait a minute. There was a season where you thought that before and I brought you through then. So I'm the same God today that will bring you through today. 
And so thanks be unto God that he is consistent. Mm. <clears throat> He's not like man. He is consistent. See, men can be fleeting. This is why we cannot put our expectations in men. But God, God is not fleeting. He's sovereign. And he says, my promises are yes and amen. And when he releases a promise over your life, when he releases a word over your life, his word, as it says in Isaiah 55, 11, will not return to him void. That means it can't come back until it has achieved what it's meant to achieve. Because then when it comes back at that point, it's a glory hallelujah because we've seen the manifestation of what you spoke. But God says, if I release the word over your life, it can't return me void. And some of you out there may say, well, a word hasn't been released over my life. My life, yes, it has. Go read your Bible. There's plenty of promises in the Bible that have been released for all of us. As children of Abraham through faith, it, we have those same uh, promises that are our inheritance. Is what the Bible says. And so even if right now you've never had a prophetic word spoken over your life. You've never had God speak to you or or received a word uh, from God where you felt like it was a promise that this was going to come to pass. Or maybe even, you know what, I'll, I'll change it a little bit differently. Maybe not just speak a word, but maybe you have a dream or a goal in your heart that you just can't let Go. I mean, you've been holding on to that thing for years. And it's something that even when you try to debt it, to quit it, to forget about it, it keeps coming back up. And you just like, why does this keep coming back up? Because God wants to remind you, I haven't forgot about the promise. See, you didn't, you thought it was an idea that you just had, but it was something that God was saying is a promise for you. I want you to do this in the earth. It's part of your purpose. It's part of your destiny. But I haven't forgotten that I have that in store for you. And so even though time went by and you may have forgotten, I'm stirring it back up again. So you remember, I have that for you. I always had it for you. It just was a matter of time. And so if you haven't figured out yet, what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> you know, we're in a new series called Trigger Wars. Today's episode will be part eight of that series. And today is rule, the rule of expectations. This is what we're going to talk about today. The rule of expectations. And I love how God spoke to me with this. He gave me some scriptures that I wasn't even expecting to go or tie into the rule of expectations but God is God and so before we get into the scripture text and the readings we do have a, a ton of scripture to get to I want to take some time and say a quick prayer spirit of the living God we thank you for this opportunity for my brothers and my sisters to come and hear a word from you speak Lord your servants are listening. May you the glory, honor, and praise from our lives. We keep none for ourselves. Saturate this moment in this atmosphere. Take away any fears, nerves, anxiety, stress, um, cares, and concerns of this world, world, Heavenly Father. Release us from those those situations for a moment, God. Those obstacles and barriers that we are trying to figure out how to work out in our lives, God. Release us from them, God, in the name of Jesus. And give us your peace, your rest, your love, your clarity, your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding, your revelation. 
Because God, your vision is better than ours. And so God, when you give us your vision, we know that we cannot perish. Because your word will not return to you void. And so Father God, continue to start our faith and continue to teach us through this series how to ward off the attacks from the enemy. How to stand firm still on the foundation you've built for us of faith. Being able to not be swayed to the right or to the left, but staying Standing tall, staying firm, knowing that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, and God Almighty is our covering. That no devil in hell can knock us off the path as long as we are being led by the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us. So saturate this word, Heavenly Father. May it fall on good ground and produce good fruit in the lives of your children. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, so today I actually want to talk, um, we're going to go to our scripture of Matthew 24, and I know some of you like to go get your Bibles with me. Thank you for reaching out to me and letting me know how you feel about the podcast. I truly appreciate all of you for listening, uh, and for those that don't want to get your Bible, that's fine, I'll, I'll read the Bible for you, so uh, y'all just pray my strength in my voice, how's that, <laughs> okay? But, um, you know, today, like I said, we're talking about the rule of expectations. And this is something that honestly, God has been stirring in my heart and in my faith for, I want to say at least about definitely a year. It might be up to two years. Yeah, I think it actually is up to two years. Cause I remember in, um, at the end of 2021 is when I started to hear God say to me, um, let go of expectations and let go of offenses quickly. And when he first started saying that, um, it came on actually a revelation from like an epiphany moment I had as I was listening to somebody else's podcast of these two pastors that I like, um, Cornelius and Heather Lindsay. And so their podcast is called life with the Lindsay. Go check them out. Cheap, cheap plug. I love their podcast. Um, I'm not getting paid to endorse it. So don't think that, okay, she's trying to, no, I genuinely love their podcast. And so I'm sharing it with you because there's some nuggets there. Um, and so I was listening to a podcast episode now, again, it's two years ago, so I can't really recall exactly which episode it was for you. Um, but out of nowhere, Heather, uh, I forgot what she's talking about, but then she just says, let go of expectations. And then I was like, ooh, okay. She said, yeah, you, you are expecting you from other people. You are expecting things to go a certain way. You're expecting people to even treat you how you want to be treated or how you treat them. And you have to understand that people are people and they will treat you however they feel. And it's not so much... Uh, really about you and I'm kind of paraphrasing here this is not verbatim but it's not so much really about you it's about the fact that they're dealing with whatever they're dealing with and you don't know what they're dealing with and so the treatment that you get you cannot expect that they are conscious enough to even want to treat you how you treated them or want to pour into you how you've poured into them and so 
you've got to be willing to let go of those expectations. And so, uh, actually, I remember part of what she was talking about. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. She was talking about marriage because their show talks a lot about their marriage because that's what the show is kind of based upon. But they also talk about other things as well. And so she was talking about how when she went into the marriage, she had high expectations for um, Cornelius to do certain things for her and in her life to make her feel happy and complete and whatnot. And she was like, I had to learn very fast and very quickly that that was not your job and that um, this was something that I had to do on my own and I had to go to the father for it to fill those voids. And, you know, Cornelius, if you ever, when you listen to it, if you haven't, and if you've ever have, then you're like me, you know, that Cornelius always got like a little snipe or a comeback that'll make you laugh. And so he kind of was like, yeah, yeah, child, that ain't my, that ain't my job. That ain't my doggone job. He from the South. And so, uh, and so it's like, you know, wow. And then I remember after I listened to that episode, God specifically started to speak to me of Andrea let go of expectations and offenses quickly. See, God added that extra part in there for me because uh, especially during that time, uh, the warfare in my life was just heightened. And it's interesting because I feel like what, which is why I talk about the, the airplane a lot. I feel like as I'm taking off more and more and getting to higher altitudes, the turbulence, the warfare is just like intensifying. And I have to keep staying steadfast, knowing that God brought me to this. So he's going to bring me through this. So this warfare is not going to destroy me. It's not going to kill me. It's going to help me get to my destination. The enemy is basically doing his job. It says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life everlasting. And so we have to understand that when the warfare is weeping havoc in our lives, that the enemy is just doing his job. But then we got to do our job and stand on guard. It says in um, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 10, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. You got to remember this. That when the warfare is going on in your life, you got to say, mm, okay, yeah, I see you, devil. I know that this is a trigger war. This is why I titled this series. This is why I told you guys of our anchor um, our anchor instructions of understanding six types of triggers. Uh, I know I haven't really spent too much time breaking down how to treat the different triggers I did on the first day. So go listen to the very first episode of the season. Uh, throughout the, ser- the series, I will, you know, continue to um, dive deeper into the triggers uh, whenever it sees fit. I'm not going to do that right now. Um but go listen to the first episode of the season to get all that information. But anyway, you know, this is part of the enemy's tactics. And you have to understand that he's just doing his part. 
He's just doing his job. But one thing about even the three trigger wars that the enemy uses to try to defeat you, God will still use it for good if you let him. Because God's a gentleman. He's not going to be forceful. But he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We learn that in Romans 8, uh, 28. And so you've got to be steadfast, like Peter said, and stay alert, understanding that this warfare is just the enemy. And so at that time, I was going through so much warfare that I just felt like running away. I just felt like, God, I've got to escape. And I've got to see some justice in my life. And, and so I was even willing to take vengeance into my own hands. Because I was expecting the way I treat people back. And I wasn't getting that. I wasn't getting the do unto others as you had them do unto you. As it says in Matthew 7 uh, verse 12. I wasn't getting that. And I was like, God, now I've been living my life. My entire life since I learned the scripture as a little girl in the church. I've been living my life according to this passage. And this is not what I'm getting back. What I've been getting back is heartache and pain and trauma and tragedy. And I went through abuse, physical, sexual, uh, emotional. And it's just like, God, what the heck? And so at that particular time. What I was going through in my life, I was, you know, I had family members attacking me left and right. I mean, even physical attacks on my life, attempts that the enemy infiltrated their spirit so deeply that they were trying to kill me. And I couldn't believe this was my own family. And you're trying to end my life and I've done nothing to you. Nothing to you. But because just like Saul against David, God sent or allowed a tormenting spirit to come into them. This made them want to attack me. And the enemy used that tormenting spirit to really like go hard. But one thing that I learned from my Job wilderness season and I learned from even a vision God spoke over my life. I told you not to touch her. I said, you can test her. But you cannot touch her. You cannot take her life. So the enemy's going to pay for the times where he went across the line and touched me. Touched me through people who harmed me, who uh, harmed my body. Because that was not what God said. But oh, like I said, thank you, Jesus, that you will cause everything to work together. For the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so I can be just like uh, Joseph was in Genesis chapter 50. I think it's verse 20 or 25 where he says devil or or he, he didn't call him the devil, but he was talking to his brother. And he was basically saying to his brother, like, I'm human. I know you meant it for harm, but God caused it for good. Because God knew that there were going to be many people who were going to need my testimony. Many people who were going to need my service. Many people who were going to need me to be in, in alignment for my assignment to save their lives. Go read your Bible. <clears throat> but this guy saying the same thing to you. You didn't go through the hell you went through for nothing. 
You went through it so that somebody else can get free. <clears throat> Let me take some water, guys. Oh, excuse me. And so you have to understand, just like I had to learn, that the warfare in your life is not meant to destroy you. It's meant for God's glory. It's meant to draw you closer to the Father to figure out, okay, God, what is going on here? And then give me strategy. Give me battle tactics so that I can defeat this enemy. And trust me, there's nothing new under the sun. We learn in Ecclesiastes 3, uh, 15. There's nothing new under the sun. So what we're going through today, just as um, Peter talked about in First Peter, believers all over the world have gone through before you and have and are going through today. You're not suffering by yourself. The enemy wants you to think that what you're going through, you're the only person that ever went through it. And nobody else has went through what you went through. That's a lie. There are people that went through what you're going through. And so for me, um, I had to learn how to uh, let go of the offense. Because I was offended. I was offended that I wasn't getting what I expected to get. My expectation was I did this for you, so you should do this for me. My expectation was I was kind to you, so you should pour kindness back into me. My expectation was that if I show love to you, you should show love back to me. My expectation was, but you're my family, and so you should be supporting me and nurturing me and encouraging me and strengthening me, and that's not what I got. So God had to deal with me as I'm doing with you today. See, I don't come on here and tell y'all nothing that God didn't teach me or do with me with it first. And I went through it and I succeeded. And what I mean by succeeded is I survived. I survived the lessons. I learned the lessons. And I'm here to share the lessons with you so that you can apply the lessons to your life. You will survive it. Just like when you guys hear me talk all the time about my own story. And maybe some of you, because I've had people stop and ask me, like, how are you able to just easily talk about the things that you went through so fluidly and vividly and not break down even in the midst of talking about it or be embarrassed or anything? That's because God, in my wilderness season, he had me in a dark room healing from those things. So that I could get to the point to talk about it. It says in Revelations 12, 11, that we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This means that we defeat the enemy by our testimony. Jesus already gave his blood on the cross in Calvary. So it is up to us to tell our story. But this is why so many people, so many of us, because I once was there, you are afraid to tell your story because the enemy makes you think that there will be shame and guilt and condemnation, that there will be judgment and ridicule that, um, you know, or he'll have people lie to you and say that didn't happen or nobody wants to hear from you or you talk too much or, um, you're a liar or whatever, and they try to diminish your story. But these are battle tactics from the enemy so that you stay silent and stuck in your pain. You stay silent and stuck in the um the identity of your past, and you can never break free from it. But God says, I came to give you life everlasting. I came to give you freedom. And so in that freedom, you have to walk out God's word that says, you know what, devil? I'm not going to be afraid of my story no longer. I survived it. That was back then. Even if your back then was like two days ago, 24 hours ago. 
Still, that was then. I survived it. So that means that I then have to let the Holy Spirit and work with the Holy Spirit to heal those wounds, to forgive, let go of the expectations and the offenses quickly so that this does not hinder me from moving forward. You will get to the point just like I have gotten to the point where you can speak your story and it don't hurt you no more to speak it. You could even sometimes laugh about it because you like, you know what? That was back then. And I thank you, God, of how your grace and mercy has cleansed me and in your favor has washed me and made me bright as snow, made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. So I don't have to have condemnation or be afraid or, or, or feeling shame or guilty about anything that's from my past because you have healed me and freed me from that. This is why it's so important and with the rule of expectations that your expectations are in the father and not in man, because man will always make you feel less than or try to bring you back to who you used to be. But God sees you very differently. He sees you as clean. He sees the best versions of you. When you give your cares and concerns and your worries and your past and your pain to God and you confess with your mouth your sins, when you repent of your sins, God says in his word, a promise that I will remember them no more. I will basically throw them away in the ocean and remember them no more. You become anew in Christ Jesus. That's what's amazing about the rule of expectations. But the enemy wants you to keep staying in bondage. And so at that time, I'm so grateful that God started working on me about this word of expectations and how to let go of expectations and offenses quickly because it has been so helpful. Many times where we're Things happen with people and I may want to get upset or frustrated. I'm reminded, no, mm -mm. God said, let go of the expectation and let go of offenses quickly. Forgive them and move on. They just being who they are right now in their current state. That's just the fact of where they're at right now. It has nothing to do with me. It's not personal. It's spiritual. It has nothing to do with me. And so therefore, I don't have to stand here and have an expectation for them to treat me the way I want them or think that they should treat me or the way they should or the way they ought to treat me i don't have to say in that mm -mm. nope i can let go of the expectation because the only person i put my expectations in is god man is flawed god is not and so because of man's flaws i know that um your word don't have power that doesn't mean that life and death is not, is not in the power of the tongue. It is. What I'm saying of your word doesn't have power is, you know, many times some of you have had experiences like this. And you may have done it yourself where you ask somebody to do something and say they're going to do it. And then like last minute or something, they hit you back and like, oops, sorry. uh, You know what? I got to cancel or I was going through that and I forgot something came up or they don't give you no excuse at all. They just say, I'm not doing it or they just ghost you. But God doesn't ghost you. God doesn't do that. So you can always expect the rule of expectation says I can always expect my God to show up. I can always expect my heavenly father to to jump up on in this thing for me. I can always expect the Holy Spirit to be my advocate. I can always expect the Holy Spirit to be my helper. I can always expect Jesus to be my savior. You can always expect God to be just who he is. And so let's go to our scripture of Matthew 24. 
And some of you, if you are reading from your Bible with me, you probably notice the title and you're just thinking like, where is this going? Because she's, this says Jesus speaks about the future. And I'm kind of confused because uh, some of you may be familiar with this text. And so you may be like, uh, what you talking about, Sway? What you talking about, Willis? Where this going? Just give me a second. Let me read it to you. We're going to uh, read Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. I know it's a lot of text, but I'm, I promise you it's, it's, it's for a purpose. God revealed this to me. And so I'm here sharing it with you. Let me get some water. Oh, okay. Uh, starting at the first verse, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But Jesus responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What signal or sign will signal your return and the end of the world. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. These, yes, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. I know some of y'all hearing this and y'all like, that's what's going on today. Hmm. Then you wonder why God said read this text. Let me finish though. <laughs> but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration. And for those that want to know where Daniel talked about this, go read Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, uh, chapter 11, verse 31, and uh, chapter 12, verse 11. Continuing on in the text. Um the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader or listener, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to back. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it would be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. 
than if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah or there he is. Don't believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then, at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and the heaven now learn a lesson from the fig tree when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout you know that summer is near in the same way when you see all these things you can know his return is very near right at the door I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is why that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. For those that have never heard the story of Noah, go read Genesis really quickly. Let me plug that in there. All right, continuing at verse 40. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. There's that keep watch again, y'all. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, hmm, my master will be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is talking about hell for you guys that... um 
I never heard that before. And so continuing into uh, verse 20, um, chapter 25, excuse me. And the reason why God had me read both of these together really quickly is because a lot of times we read scripture out of context. You'll read a few verses here and there. Maybe the pastor is reading a, a particular scripture and want to teach from that scripture uh, reference point. Or those of you that read your Bible, you may have only seen, um, if you use a Bible app, you saw, you typed in the keyword and you saw like a few scriptures that reference that keyword. And so you don't understand the backstory, so to speak. And that's why I had to give you the backstory that this was a conversation that Jesus had with the disciples to warn them about what's coming in the future. And so in the first portion of uh, chapter 24 of Matthew, we, as, as I just read, we saw that God was speaking very directly of what was going to come. Now in chapter 25, we're going to um, read several different parables that many of you probably have heard uh read before i've even referenced some of these before um because god jesus always taught sometimes directly and sometimes in parables and it's because he says uh, to the disciples when they asked him why do you teach this way he said because you have ears to hear what the spirit of the lord is saying that means that you have the understanding from god from heaven to understand directly what's being spoken to you but many people learn from storytelling. This is why we see with movies and TV shows, storytelling is so powerful. It's, it's you know, a, it was a way of speech before things were even written down. It was a way that people could learn before written word. They learn by storytelling. And so he tells a parable so that people can get a different perspective of the same thing he just spoke in Matthew 24 very clearly and plainly but there are going to be many that may find themselves kind of confused because um there there's parables that talks about and it's not in this particular one that talks about um scattering seeds and gathering seeds and the farmer who scatters many seeds and he scatters it on different grounds and the enemy comes and snatches it right up as soon as the seed drops and so there's another reason why we have to read it again in a different way. So Matthew 25 really is the same uh, information that Jesus gave, but in a different format for the re for the listener to get like a second chance to hear what the spirit of the Lord is actually saying to fully be able to understand in a practical context. This is why I always speak, as I tell you guys all the time, I give you practical examples for spiritual principles. It's the same way that Jesus taught, given sometimes parables or practical examples, real life examples, but for spiritual principles. This is why those with ears need to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And so Matthew 25, starting at the first verse. And it reads like this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. We learned about who the bridegroom is uh, in yesterday's podcast episode. So go check that out if you haven't heard it. 
where I kind of went through Song of Songs and helped you understand who our bridegroom is, which is Jesus. Anyway, back to this example. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shouts. Look, look, the bridegroom is coming. Oh my gosh, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Just go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, hey, 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 dear handsome, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of Jesus' return. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportions to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Really quickly, there are several other translations that cause this one, the parable of the talents. So that's why if you're listening and you're like, that sounds familiar. Um, it's because this is also called in the Bible, the parable of the talents. And so it will say, uh, God gave servants and trusted them talents. Uh, anyway, continuing on in verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Whoa, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I'm sorry to admit it, but I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the other one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given to them. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I was kind of confused. I missed that part. Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and show you hospitality? Lord, when were you naked and we gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say this, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you cursed ones until the eternal fire prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord. When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Okay, so I know we cover a lot in both of these texts. Thank you for standing with me. And in this um so what God revealed to me about the rule of expectations was how uh, it started actually with the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. And I was reading it and I realized something that I never realized before that this is not talking. This is why I had to go back and read you Matthew 24 because the parable of the 10 bridesmaids starts Matthew 25. Because when we read scripture sometimes out of context, you miss the point that God really was trying to make. And so I had to go back and realize that what I was reading in Matthew 25 from um, verse 1 through 13 was God is the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. And so when it talks about the five uh the five foolish and then the five wise is talking about those that are saved and those that are not. Those that are saved in Christ Jesus, those that make Jesus their Lord and their Savior, those that abide in the Holy Spirit, which is the oil. Those that live their life according to God's righteousness. It says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and live righteousness, righteousness, excuse me, living in the way that God tells us to live. And then he will add everything unto you. Live righteously. And he will add everything unto you.
And so living righteously means that living in the way that God tells you to live. It's living by the fruits of the spirit, which is one of our anchor texts for the entire series of Galatians 5, starting at the um, 19th verse to 26. It breaks down what it means to live in the flesh and sin. And then it goes into what it means to live in the fruits of the spirit. This is what I call the internal armor. This is why it's important for you to embody that. Um, because it's the oil for your life. And so you have the five that were wise that lived their life that were saved rather in terms of modern terms. It's those that are saved that have the oil of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They have their internal armor on and they also have the external armor on as we learned in Ephesians 6. And so they are living righteously. They're living in the way that God's telling them to live. And so they're the ones that standing guard all the time. Like we just read about in um, first Peter staying alert. They're constantly staying alert, praying and fasting when God tells them to fast, reading their Bible, studying and meditating on it day and night. As, as we learn in Joshua one, eight, they're choosing to serve God in whatever capacity God has them to serve. They're choosing to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They're choosing to say that whatever I do, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. These are all scriptures I'm spitting out to you. That's what it means to live righteously to live in a way that God is telling you to live they're choosing to forgive they're choosing to let go of offenses they're choosing to let go of expectations and people and instead putting their expectations and trust solely in the father and not in resources but in the ultimate source they're choosing to live a saved life these are the five wise bridesmaids because the church is the bride I read this to you before the church is the bride. God, Jesus is the bridegroom. And so we have the five that's wise that live saved. And then you have the five that are foolish. These are those that are of this world. They, these are those that are sinful and they want to continue living in their sin. They want to do whatever they want to do. They want to live their own truth out loud and they want to just be about their own business. They want to trust in their own money, their own resources, giving no credit or glory to God whatsoever. Not even think about God. They just want to live the fast life. And so God says, these are the ones that are foolish. And these are the ones that will run out of oil. And then there's some even really quickly that um, got one foot in and one foot out. And Jesus talks about this in Revelations um, chapter 3, where some of you are hot and cold. It's like one minute you want to live saved, you want to live for God, next minute you want to be in the world. And God says, you're neither hot nor you're cold, I'm about to spit you out my mouth. You have got to make the decision of what you want to stand for in these days and times. Because as we just discussed very clearly and plainly in Matthew 24, that we are in the beginning of the birthing stage, the, the birthing pains of the end times. And so you have to make a decision. Will you stand for the father, stand firm on him and live in the way he's telling you to live, as it says in Matthew 6.33, but as it also dictates throughout his entire word of the Bible, or will you live in the way you want to live? And doing what you want to do and being about that bag solely and only, you know, living for the resources of this world. Because if that's the case, then fine, your oil will run out. And then when the end day come, you will be when you recognize that, oh, my gosh, like this is, as they say, like the apocalypse, this is the end time. Jesus has cracked the sky and he's coming down. Then you'll be asking 
the other bridesmaids or the saved people for some oil. You'll be asking them for the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit cannot be distributed from person to person by a person. The Holy Spirit is distributed by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's given to us by God. He pours it out onto those who really seek it and ask and want it. That's why it says in Matthew 7, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open unto you. For anyone who asks, receives, anyone who seeks, finds, anyone who knocks, the door will be open unto them. The choice is yours. Do you want the Holy Spirit or not? And if you do, then you have to make sure that you are constantly being filled and poured up um, into your cup, your vessel, you're the vessel. By the Holy Spirit, you have to be steadfast, on guard, on alert, doing what God tells you to do through his word, wearing your internal and external armor at all costs. I'll say it again for those that may be new to the podcast that uh, I have an anchor scriptures for this particular series. Galatians 5, 19 to 26 and Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. I am not going to go read those again. You have to go read those for yourself. But Galatians 5, 19 to 26 is what I call the internal armor of God. It's the fruits of the spirit portion of that particular text. And, and it dictates at the very beginning of verse 19 what it means when you're not living in the fruits of the spirit. And then it goes into what is the internal armor or the fruits of the spirit. Then you have Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. This dictates the external armor of God and how we're meant to live our lives out loud for Christ Jesus. You have to have both of these on in your life and be embodying these in your life. Because as Jesus dictates through both of these scriptures of Matthew 24 and 25, you don't know when the end day is coming. Yes, you see the beginning of the birthing process, but that does not mean that tomorrow won't be the reckoning that tomorrow won't be the time where Jesus comes down from the sky and we hear the trumpets blast. So since you don't know, you got to make sure that you are being intentional and disciplined about your relationship with the father every single day about your um, spiritual wellness with the father every single day being poured up with the oil of the Holy Spirit every single day you have to get to the point where you are studying and meditating on God's word day and night where you are spending time continuing to pray without ceasing day and night and this does not mean that you don't go about your life but I'm saying that several times throughout the day you should be praying to God it shouldn't just be on Sunday morning with the pastor it shouldn't just be maybe through midweek service or bible study it shouldn't just be where you said one quick prayer because you're about to be in trouble about something and so you need a God to come to your rescue that's the only time you pray it should be every day several times a day where you should be giving thanks unto God and we should be praying to him you don't know when the end day is going to come. This is why you got to stay alert. And so that was one thing that God pointed out to me with the 10 bridesmaids. I was like, wow, I never read it that way. Because I'm going to be quite honest, you know, um, when we come to Jesus, when we come to even reading his word, it's best to come as a child. And to come as a child means where you're coming not knowing all the answers. But you're willing to be poured into. You're willing to learn. And so as a child learns, um, many if any of you ever been around children, you know that if you say something, they take that thing literally. Okay. <laughs> I know I'll give you a quick funny story. Um, recently, uh, my little cut, they're always here every weekend. I've told you guys, if you've been found a podcast several times, 
of the process of um helping to pour into and being the village that raises my little cousins uh because their father passed away and so there they were here every day for uh you know practically living with us for about like three years or so and um and then late last year they started to go into school and so now um the the four-year-old comes to me this is the um this is the the middle child and um yeah, it's, it's the middle, I'll just say that it's the middle child because he he's technically the baby of my cousin, but he's the middle child of the family. Um, and so he comes and he, you know, we he and I are playing around and stuff and, and just, you know, I'm chasing him and his younger brother. And uh, and so he he wanted something from me. And I said, uh, OK, what you want? And so he started to like mumble what he wanted because he was like pouting and didn't really want to tell me what he wanted. And so he's like fidgeting with his hands or whatever. And I'm like, I can't understand what you're saying. I need you to open your mouth. (laughs) I'm laughing, baby, because I remember what he did. And so if you can envision telling a four-year-old, open your mouth. uh, But because I didn't give the open your mouth and speak clearly, I just said, I can't hear what you're saying. You need to open your mouth. So he literally just opened his mouth really wide and bared his teeth and all. (laughs) I was like, and I I just had to laugh. I had to laugh at myself for not being very clear in my instructions and then laugh at just the innocence of this child that all he heard was open his mouth. So he opened his mouth. He did exactly what I asked him to do. And so when I read the Bible, sometimes I've been like a child where I've read it very verbatim. And so when I first read this particular parable and I wasn't reading it in the full context of Matthew 24 uh, into Matthew 25 as a complete speech, because I know it may sound a lot when I'm speaking it, but how do you think Jesus felt? Because this was a complete speech in a sense like a complete thought from Matthew 24 to Matthew 25 there are no breaks if you go read your bible there are no breaks in this I know I tell you so then go to Matthew 25 but it's like a chap it's like a book he's reading or, or or it's like a speech you've heard from from your the president or something like that or from um you know the monarchy or whatever wherever country you're in um it's like a full complete speech like and so um when somebody's giving a speech they don't say okay so page one now we're gonna go to page two and i'm gonna finish on that part they continue their speech and so that's what was happening um here and so when i but because i didn't go back to read matthew 24 first and i even read matthew 25 i read this as literally um i thought in my mind a wedding day and so i thought that they were bridesmaids or you know waiting for with oil and i know that they, that they used to use oil to um light torches um to light up you know 
because they didn't have electricity back then. And so I'm like, okay, so that's what the oil was for. And so I literally was thinking that when I read this text. So much so, even though this is the only oil I cook with anyway, I stock up on olive oil. Because I was like, uh-uh. God said, make sure <laughs> that you stay having extra oil because you don't know when God's going to come. <laughs> and, I, and so... I remember the other day, God had me pray for somebody, and I was like, oh, I got to get my oil, and I always keep oil with me, and God said, no, you have the oil with you, and I didn't understand at the time what he was saying until this particular morning when I was studying this text, and then God revealed to me, the oil is the Holy Spirit, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm laughing, y'all, because I was like, oh man, <laughs> I did not know that. And I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching me. Because even though I teach you guys, God teaches me too. And so I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching me. Because I did not know. <laughs> I did not know that. I was taking that literal as my little cousin did when I said, open your mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> baby, this is why you got to go and read and read and read your Bible. And even if it's a passage, because I've read this scripture several times before, you know, I've taken you on my journey uh, through this podcast of when I first started reading the Bible for myself and really digging into it, which was in 2013. And so it's been years since I've read the Bible its entirety. Every year, I make it a mandate and a goal. I read it every day, but I also make it a mandate and goal to go back to Genesis and reread the entire um 66 canons of the bible for myself just to keep my mind fresh and, and because it's living water it's a daily bread every time you go back and read it your god will reveal something new to you that you didn't see before the holy spirit will speak a new revelation a new insight a new wisdom to you that you didn't receive the last time so you got to continue to read and study meditating on it day and night and so I thank God that he did this with me and so when I read that I was like wow and then the same thing with the servants I remember I used to feel so bad and honestly I'm a lot I'm not gonna lie to you guys excuse me I hated reading this particular text of Matthew 25 uh verse 14 um through 30 I hated reading this text because I used to feel like God was talking about money and as I told you guys, when I went through my Job wilderness season, I also went through bankruptcy. And so I felt like, God, are you like seriously doing this right now? Like, I felt like God was condemning me. And I had to understand that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And so it was my childlike thinking that thought this was about money until I spent time with the Holy Spirit. And then he revealed to me, I am talking about spiritual gifts and talents that I place in your life that before I formed you in your mother's womb I knew you and I set you apart to do something in the earth you guys heard me talk about this in Jeremiah 1 5 time and time again there is something that God has placed on the inside of all of us that he wants us to do in the earth and when you don't do that when you don't achieve the purpose that God put in you and you achieve and you do your own thing your own goals you limit yourself because maybe you tried in one season and it wasn't the right timing and so you don't try again God says I'm going to spit you out I'm going to you know send you away it's like the it's like the part of the this parable with the servant that had one bag he gave you one talent one spiritual gift to hone 
as you grew up to uh, mature, to steward well, and to use it in the earth for his glory. And when you say like Jonah did, um, like the prophet Jonah in the Bible, when you say, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do, God, I'm going to instead go my own way. God says, okay, but it's time you for you to end. Either he will cause your life to end or he will cause some things in your life to shake you up to get you on the right path. And so just like with Jonah, when he chose to go to Tarshish instead of to Nineveh, like he was supposed to, God caused the, a, a huge storm to come. And the people wound up throwing Jonah overboard. And he got swallowed up by a whale. Or a big fish as it says in the book. Because he was being disobedient. God told you to do something in the earth. But when you choose to bury it in the ground. When you choose to not do and utilize the gift and talent that he placed inside of you. Then he says fine. When the judgment day comes and I ask you what did you do with what I put in you. And you tell me you did nothing. Or you just put it in the ground. You you belittled yourself for whatever circumstances. It doesn't matter the circumstances. We hear that in, in the parable. The servant says oh but master you know I knew you to be this type of person. And you harvested this and you this and you that. God still says, I don't care. I place something in you. I could care less what the enemy threw your way. I place something in you that I wanted you to birth. And since you didn't birth it and you aborted it. Or, or you spilled the seed. You didn't even allow yourself to get pregnant with what I gave you. Then I'm going to take away what was and, and take away also your access into my kingdom of heaven. Because only those who do well with what little I gave them, I will give more to them. But why should I give you access to my kingdom of heaven when you couldn't even deal with the little that I gave you on this earth? You think that is that the tasks that God gives us is too big today on this earth. You have no idea what he's going to ask of you in heaven. So you got to do your job here on earth. And so why this ties into the, the rule of expectations is because God expects something for us. When he uh, invested in us, when he invested in our lives, when he invested in our futures, which is why we were able to be birthed into the earth. I don't care how your parents were. I am not talking about your parents or your village that raised you. I have nothing to do with that. I'm talking about you. God placed something inside of you that he tied in what was going to go on and happen with their circumstances. He already knew that was going to happen. He already knew that your parents were going to drop the ball. He already knew that that person was going to lie on you or to abuse you or to manipulate you or mistreat you or whatever that was in your village or mishandle you. He already knew that. And he said, I still place purpose inside of you. I still gave you something that I wanted you to perform in the earth for my glory so that people will be drawn to you and then they will be then drawn to God because we're meant to, like it says in Matthew 28, to go out and make disciples for Jesus Christ, teaching them the gospel, sharing the good news of what Jesus Christ did in our lives. And so God placed something in us that only we can do well in doing that because not everybody's meant to be on the pulpit in a church. Some of you will be great doctors and nurses and lawyers and judges and contractors and architects and plumbers and fishermen. And yet you do it so well and with such a smile and joy 
in your heart that God, that the people will say, how are you just so happy doing this job? How are you, um, a dump truck worker, a, a trashman doing this job, a janitorial person doing this job, and yet you do it with a smile and you be able to tell them about Jesus of how your God gives you the strength to do it. And he makes you feel fulfilled in the work he's called you to do. This is how you make disciples in the marketplace that you're in. Not everybody's going to be in a church building, being a pastor or a church leader or a teacher, an apostle, um, a prophet, an evangelist. But you can go out and make disciples where you are in the marketplace. You are by showing God's truth. You just got to do your word. This, this is the rule of expectation. God expects you to do your part in the earth so that when the end day comes where he cracks the sky and brings you to him, judgment day comes. He wants a return on his investment. He wants to know what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I put inside of you? What did you produce in the earth that gave me glory and not you? Mm, yeah, because see, some of you feel like, oh, well, I've been serving. I've been doing, I've been doing that. Yeah, but it's for you to get applause. It's for you to get followers. It's for you to get likes. It's for you to get people cheering for you. But can you serve and get no applause? Can you give and, and, and get nobody saying job well done? But know that your heavenly father is smiling on you and saying, job well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I saw what you did there. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. Is it about you getting the glory or God? The rule of expectation says it's about God getting the glory. And it's about people seeing less of me and more of God. Even though I come on here with this podcast and I, and I try to be a little colorful for you guys. Just to make you laugh, make you smile. Because I know some of you are going through some hardships right now or today may just be a rough day may just even started rough so you need something to laugh about that's why i share my joy with you i share my story with you and some of you hear my story and you're like you know man she just shared that one part of her story and that was horrible i can't believe she just shared that and she laughing yeah because the joy of the lord is my strength and so i can share that because it's not about you seeing me or hearing me in my story. That's why you always hear me say, God, may I be decreased in this moment so that you may be increased. May this word fall on good ground, produce good fruit. Because it's not about me. It's about God getting the glory out of your life. It's about the seed falling on good ground in your heart and producing good fruit in your life by not only the way I live my life and how I share my testimony, but because of my testimony, you would then say, well, if God helped her get through it, I know he can help me get through it. I expect God to get me through this because he got somebody else through it. Now, your story won't look exactly like my story, but I share my story to show you that it doesn't matter how horrible or tragic the situation is, how traumatic the experience was, that God still can cause mess and turn it into a message. That God still can take pain into purpose. That God still can give you beauty for ashes. You just got to trust in the Father. And so I pray that this message stirred your faith and gave you something to think about. Put your trust in God. The rule of expectation is that you shouldn't be expecting nothing from people and everything from God. 
people are people. And so if they give you their best, receive it with joy, thanking God. If they give you their worst, pray for them and thank God that he protected you and is not going to influence your heart. Let go of expectations of people and forgive offenses quickly. And then turn and put all of your expectations in God. Because God's promises are yes and amen. He is not a man that he should lie and his word will not return to him void. And so if he promised it, if he spoke it over your life, you can guarantee, bet your bottom dollar, that there will be a return on his investment. He's not going to come back without asking for a return on his investment. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you, show you his favor and give you shalom, give his peace. Take care. Bye now. Oh, and really quickly, for those that want to invest into the Agents of Revival movement and into this ministry that God has given me and what he's doing in my life, know that whatever you uh, invest, I'm not asking for a dollar amount. You pray about that and ask God what you should give. But know that whatever you invest is going into creating more kingdom content for the world and more products and services that I can get to you guys. So you can check out the description and the uh, information is on there. Or you can also go to Cash App or Venmo App and search for Andrea Griffin Rogers. And my na- how to spell my name is also the, you know part of the title of this podcast, but also in the description. Um, so that you can invest whatever God places in your heart to invest. All right. Bye now.